You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Um, I am always grateful for the various ways that people uh, bring forward their hearts and their talents um, to serve. I am especially thankful today to our band and to our tech people and our sound people. They're here before I would even consider waking up. Do you guys know that? They are here so early, and I just um, am so thankful for how uh, they use their talent to set a context and a place for us to encounter God in like really unique and special ways. So, hey band, thanks you guys. We're so grateful for you. Good job, Sound Booth. Can't do it without you. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a little gushy today. I'm a little mushy. Um, there's there's good reason. Um, a couple of weeks ago, our staff met together to do what we have dubbed uh, Vision Quest uh, for UBC. What does that mean? Um, it's less psychotropic than it sounds, I promise. Uh, we got together and we talked about where UBC has been, where we are, and where we are going. Vision Quest 2024. Some repeating themes emerged. Uh, UBC has seen some stuff. UBC is a church who has gone through some stuff. As a person who is new to this context and yet has heard story after story, yes, UBC has gone through. Gone through loss and grief, gone through transitions, gone through growing pains. UBC went through the discernment process to become fully LGBTQIA plus affirming in 2019. There was a price associated with that decision, one well worth paying. UBC went through a global pandemic and paid again the cost of staying closed while other churches decided to stay open. UBC has gone through a period of time without a lead pastor. UBC is going through getting to know a new lead pastor, the first one who was ever hired from outside of these walls. And as we reflected, we acknowledged that UBC has seen some stuff. We talked about the parts of our mission and vision that are still compelling. We talked about the felt needs of our congregations and of our own hearts. And we settled on a theme for 2024. Our theme for this year is lightening. I know that's not a Pacific Northwest way of saying lightning. It is lightening. I cannot think of a better way to set up the season of Lent and our 2024 theme than Transfiguration Sunday. And I'll be honest, I really struggle to say anything meaningful about glitter sparkle Jesus uh, usually it's like, look, he's glittery and he's sparkly, and that means that somehow he's also God, and that's super cool. Uh, but this year, I could talk for hours. I won't, and you're welcome. <laughs> I love the idea of pain and loss and tiredness encountering something dazzling. I love the idea 
of starting low and going high. And to me, when I envision what a lightening could be in our own hearts and congregation, Transfiguration Sunday fits the bill. So Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his very best friends, up a mountain, and Jesus's clothes became dazzling bright. Then Elijah and Moses were there talking with Jesus. It is such a strange and otherworldly story Uh, And the perfectionist in me wants to do something with that, but there's no immediate application. It just starts, and then it stops. What do we do with that? Poor Peter, I love Peter, he's fallen all over himself trying to say the right thing, as one does when they want to fill the silence. James and John are paralyzed by their awe and their confusion. Jesus institutes a gag order and tells them not to say anything to anyone. And just like that, they're off of the mountain. No explanation, no discussion. That's it. And we're going into both the heaviest and, for me, the most hopeful season in the church calendar. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of our Lenten season. Lent is a time to contemplate our purpose and our mortality and the interconnectedness that we share. We are all ashes and dust, all together. It's also a chance to shed those things that weigh us down. It's an opportunity to come back together with some renewed perspective and a heart that is more prepared to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And to do that with a measure of intentionality, it's important to recognize where we feel burdened. Peter, James, and John were carrying some pretty heavy things. So I'm going to read the passage that moves into our New Testament text. This comes from Mark 8. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any of you wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. Indeed, what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? What can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. It was six days later that they went up the mountain with Jesus. Imagine sitting in that tension for six days. You guys, I send an email and I'm done. Like waiting for a response for 20 minutes. You know, you send that risky text. It's a tough life. Six days waiting. Six days of fear and confusion and anxiety. Second thoughts. 
third thoughts, maybe fourth thoughts about what they were doing with their life and is this man actually a little unbalanced? I wonder if they thought about what it would be like to see their friend and their teacher suffer, to see him rejected and accused and killed. How would they bear it? What did Jesus mean when he said that they too were to lose their lives? Because surely that was metaphorical, right? There's no way that he could actually be asking that. So many questions and Jesus gave zero answers. Six days of heaviness, then up a mountain. Why? And that's our million dollar question for today. Why glitter sparkle Jesus? Why Moses? Why Elijah? Why pair the darkest and heaviest self-revelation with dazzling white and divine instruction? And the disciples had seen some stuff, too. They had also gone through. They'd left behind their lives and their livelihood. They'd seen the healing of a blind man, the healing of a man who was paralyzed. They had witnessed a little girl return to life. They had survived a storm because this man that they followed had willed it to stop raging. They had been afraid and confused and self-assured and arrogant and insecure. And they had heard stories and parables that they just did not understand. <laughs> they had been through it with Jesus. And then they went up a mountain. They went up a mountain and they caught a glimpse of the divinity of the one that they followed in an undeniable way. They had heard about his death. They had heard him talk about his death. And now they were bearing witness to his life. And sure, they didn't know how to respond. They were terrified. Of course they were. Um, do you guys know who Guy Diamond is? If you're a parent with a child, 10 and under, you probably do. Um, he is a troll. He is naked. He is glitter uh, <laughs> head to toe. And um, he also, uh, he farts glitter as well. Um, he's my favorite and I love him. And there's something kind of magical about something that's gross and weird and alienating, like a fart, producing beauty in the world. And as strange as that would be to watch, the little troll walked on stage and wanted to hang out with me and glitter my shoes with his bum. I just imagine how it would be to have somebody that you love and understand and follow and eat with and sleep next to turn bright white for no apparent reason. And then all of a sudden, people who had been dead for a very long time were standing there too. I can't imagine any response other than terror. But can't it be just a touch unnerving when we allow our own hearts to see something beautiful? Because as much as it would freak me out to see a cartoon come to life, oh, you know I would put them in my pocket. 
Perhaps when we consider that Jesus is something more than we imagine, we get that feeling in our stomach, that anticipation, that unsettled feeling of, oh, if I can't know or control, how can I follow? Isn't it unsettling when we take our most sacred and vulnerable parts of ourselves, our burdens and our fears and our insecurities and our disappointments, and we wrap them up? We put our hands on them and we place them in the waiting hands of God. And in doing so, we make space for hope and for joy for the kind of deep and beautiful breath that feels so special and so necessary and so rare. Isn't that a little scary, a little weird, a little unsettling? Isn't that incredibly brave? Brave because it is scary to place our carefully cultivated and carefully guarded, carefully kept worries in the hands of anyone else even if those hands shine bright. Lent is the perfect time to start acknowledging those heavy places, those heavy spaces that you've been carrying on your own for so long. Lent is an invitation up the mountain. Just like Peter, James, and John, we are carrying uncertainties and anxieties. We have an unknown future. And some of us are really, really, really tired. Some of us are burnt out and disengaged, and weariness has a way of sneaking up on us that seems unfair. Maybe the idea of Lent seems exhausting, giving something up, adding something in, one more thing to manage. Maybe you can't imagine preparing for a celebration when you are struggling to engage in a relationship with God at all. And the questions and the doubts feel daunting and the hurt seems insurmountable and you can't find a place to land that feels authentic. You are more apt to believe that Guy Diamond is standing here on the stage with me than that God is waiting to receive your hard things. But the disciples didn't unlock the mysteries of the universe on the mountain. They didn't get the answers that they were looking for. They didn't suddenly understand why their friend was going to be taken from them or why on God's green earth he seemed so okay with it. They saw Jesus' divinity and they saw Moses and they saw Elijah, familiar and comforting figures in an otherwise ungrounded world. And they wanted to stay there. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to do with himself, but he knew he wanted to stay in whatever this glow was that he had found. And when we think about lightening, individually and as a community. Transfiguration has something special for us. 
And Jesus didn't ignore the realities of his life or his death or his suffering or purpose. He didn't pretend that it wasn't going to happen to make everybody feel more comfortable. He didn't deny that it was going to be awful. He didn't shield his followers from the truth. But he also didn't leave them alone in it. He assured them of his ability to turn ashes and dust into light and life and sparkle. Jesus made a clear statement about his divinity on that mountain. His transfiguration is a promise. It is from that place that we can practice letting go. When death exists, so does a life worth living. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes we get so addicted to the chaos that we forget that rest takes intentionality. We're so busy moving from one problem to the next that we forget that there is an easy, light yoke and burden to have. It's an invitation to let the heavy things of this life lighten and to do so in a way that doesn't deny the reality of this world. We don't have to pretend we are okay in the name of having faith. We don't have to pretend that a genocide is not happening on a global stage. We don't have to pretend that kids are going without food in our backyard and all over the world. But instead, we allow the one who holds everything together to hold the hard and painful things in our lives and in this world. And we can take a breath together. It's okay to not have all the answers to all of the world's problems. It's okay not to have the answer to your own problems. You still deserve to take a breath. You still deserve to rest. And we can do that in community. We can let our hearts and minds settle in a space where we are allowing the goodness, and the glitter of Jesus to infiltrate every aspect of our hearts. We can lighten the burnout and the weariness that we carry by just asking Jesus to carry them instead. And it sounds simple and it sounds reductive and also it's not. It is hard work to take that little bundle and place it somewhere else. I believe in us. I believe we can do that together. And that's our call together as we move into Lent. UBC, may we take seriously Christ's offer for an easy yoke and a burden that is light. Rather than feeling guilty that we aren't carrying the world's problems, may we recognize it frees us up for hope something that is in short supply if we look around. 
May we reclaim joy this Lenten season by bravely entrusting our burden to the one who can keep it safe. May we acknowledge that we've seen some stuff, all the while anticipating our journey up the mountain. Our future is so bright, my friends. We gotta wear shades. Amen. And we get to have a moment to practice that breath, to sit in silence and invite the Spirit to say something specific, remind us of something old, correct something I've said incorrectly. Uh, It's an opportunity to right now in real time put into practice what we've been learning.